Hey, Rob. Hey, Jersey. So, Here we are. Yeah, if we start before the music starts, you know what that means. Time for a rebroadcast. <laughs> yes, where we dig into the archives with over 300 episodes in the, in the, the feed. Um, there's lots of great conversations that, you know, are kind of hard to dig through and find. And so we do that for you when we can't produce uh, a live episode of the Lean Into Art cast. And, you know, the one that I think we should rebroadcast this week, Rob, is I think timely in a way because there's a lot of dialogue lately about how um, with a lot of people working from home during the global pandemic, uh, a line that I see repeated here and there, not from everybody, but here and there, is with all this time we suddenly have on our hands now that we're working from home. To which I get a cold shudder when I see that. I'm like, what, what time? Where, where did this time come from? We, I don't have any extra time. I don't know what, who, who, who's got the extra time, especially, and especially I get um, excited about this on behalf of all my friends who have children. I'm like, I'm sure they don't have extra time. <laughs> their kids are home. They're home with their kids trying to work and try to raise their kids in a, in, you know, in a, in a healthy and supportive way. Um, I don't think they have extra time. So... I was looking through our past episodes and I found episode 253 from uh, November of 2018, Side Hustling for Product Development, because I imagine we're all side hustling more now than ever. Does that, that sentence make sense? More now than ever? Now more than ever. There we go. More now Common. more than ever. <laughs> yeah. More now, more never. More ever. All now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, okay. I think that if anytime you're in a situation where you have, you know, primary commitments and secondary commitments and tertiary commitments, you're dealing with this kind of dynamic of like, well, you want to see certain things happen and you got other stuff to take care of meanwhile. And uh, yeah, I do feel that quite a bit. And uh, I, I have, um, I, I'm really grateful that I haven't encountered lots of folks talking about the free time because yeah, being a parent with a couple of kids at home, super grateful. We're, we're very fortunate. And at the same time, life's been very different this last 85 days plus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, um, so, but, it, but, and so the, the, the puzzle continues, right? So I'm glad to revisit this episode because, um, now the nature of the, of the hustle is, is, um, it's it's still there, but it's a little bit different. So it'd be fun to revisit this and see what we how we explored this topic. Okay, well let's do it. But it, but before we do that, I want to thank a few people who make this show possible, and those are the folks who support us on Patreon. Yes, Patreon.com/slash/LeonTheBart is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in Rob and Jersey, what we do, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank some people who have been doing exactly that. Uh, First up, Mike White. Thank you, Mike White. You can find Mike White on Instagram at Mike White Robot. And thank you to Stephen Stone Bush for believing in us and what we do. It means a lot to us. And Dave Sreesay, longtime friend of the show, been guest on the show a couple times, the creator of the Virgin Task Planner. Uh, you can find Dave Sreesay on Twitter at Dave Say. And Dave, David Armentrout. Thank you, David, for believing in us and what we do. And finally, Dado. You can find on Twitter at Dadotronic. You can join them all at patreon.com slash leanintoart, where you'll find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe space for fellow leaners. It also gets you access to the Lean Into Art Discord. There's three private channels there 
just for people who support us on Patreon. There's three public channels too, of course. And the uh, invite link is in the show notes for this and every episode. Patreon.com slash art. Thank you to everybody who supports the, us there. It means a lot to us. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Well, then how about we dig in and listen to episode 253? Ready? I'm ready. Let's go there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Art Cast, a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together and take a walk around various topics that pop up when one takes on this endeavor of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist. The other host is... Hey, I'm Rob Stenfinger. I'm a uh, user experience designer and game designer. Good to see you Hi. again, Rob. Oh, it's good to see you again, Jersey. We um it we we skipped it's it feels like maybe we haven't done this in November but we did one just a couple weeks ago. True. Yeah. Um. Because I mean we've been on this weekly cadence for for a good while now, and uh, so yeah, it felt different. Where we put a um we did we did a lean into art, then we did a rebroadcast, you know, then we did another live one, and then we did a rebroadcast. Now we're back. Now we're back. Why would we be doing so many rebroadcasts in such a narrow <laughs> piece of time? That's weird, right? I think that's going to figure into our topic this week. So for those who are new to the show, if you've just checking this out, we, we make stuff that communicates visually, and then we collect our experiences as we do this stuff, and we bring it into topics onto the show. And one of the things that we've been working on in November is our fifth edition of an event called Art Sound Off. Rob, I'm wondering if you could tell me, we've been saying what Art Sound Off is every day for the month of November, <laughs> so I'm sure you're, you're tuned to concert pitch as to what it is. Hmm. So Art Sound Off, it's a creative challenge that my friend and I, Jersey Joe, started where we were like, we love this, this format of journaling and we're doing some reflection via audio and we thought, you know what, we should do this more and Honestly, we should invite others to do it also. So let's make a creative challenge. And it'll be 30 days in the month of November. And then, you know, people can post a some kind of journal thing every day. And if you're like, well, what am I going to post every day? I, I've never done this and what have you. Although I'm curious. Well, guess what? We have helpful resources for you at artsoundoff.com. You can find prompts and different formats. Guess what? You don't have to do this 30 days in a row. You could find different lengths of challenge. You could also choose not to post it publicly that's still practice and it's wonderful and we want you to join in with us learn more about that at artsoundoff.com and follow along with us on the hashtag art sound off <laughs> and that's where i fall over yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so so yes so because rob and i do the you know excel size challenge as the guys who came up with the project um we feel a strong desire to do it every day. And that means that we're adding this extra piece of production to our day every day in the month of November. And that takes its toll. And so, yes, we did a couple of rebroadcasts. But, I mean, the thing is, like, seven years in, 250-something episodes, there's some good stuff in the archives that we pull up from time to time. We don't have to justify it any further than that because we usually do whenever we do the rebroadcast. Anyway, 
So, but it's been a while. It's good to see you again. And um, we got a topic. We got we got we got two for a two for this week. You want to you want to just jump yes, into the we, first one? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, we're talking about side hustle. Uh, mm. If I may, if I may be the obnoxious morning show person who tries to find a segue into this, you know, Rob, this time of year, everybody's hustling and bustling for the holiday season <laughs> fitting in all sorts of like social engagements trying to fit in time for family and taking some breaks for the holidays but then also trying to keep things moving and if you are somebody who works in the creative arts you're probably doing even more to try to nurture new products new new projects while keeping your uh, whatever signals are working for you going so that's what the first half of the show is going to be about is like talking about side hustle well, um, trying to keep the lights on. How do you develop new products while keeping the lights on? You ready for me to hit the music? <laughs> I'm so ready. All right. Well, I'm going to pull up a classic. And there it is. All right. I'm going to bring it more. Man. <laughs> What's the castle? <laughs> I never saw that movie before. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So this topic was actually inspired by a leaner, a uh, longtime friend of the show, Becca Hilburn. I was mm-hmm. checking into Twitter for one of my quick pop in, pop out sessions. Like just go in, look at a few things and get out of there. And uh, I saw Becca was talking about, please don't assume that busy equals making money. I am getting paid for some of this work, but not most of it. People assume busy equals making money. I just want to be clear that even when I hustle, that doesn't mean money isn't a concern. Um, I not to conflate this, but I, I mean, I think there's a common ground with this idea of working to the point of, um, just self-evident exhaustion or whatever is a, um, is romantic. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I suppose that, I mean, and because that's valued, I think, I don't know, think of, um, think of circles like, uh, okay. I saw a few different tweets go back and forth between, um, let's see, reacting to something Elon Musk said recently. And it's, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not here to podcast about Elon Musk, but I think it's relevant to this where, uh, romanticizing the idea of, you know, just working super hard. Right. And, only, you know, that's the only place where important things come from. He said something to that extent where, um, like, changing the world doesn't happen on 40 hours a week or something like that. Mm. And so, yeah. And so I saw plenty of other really great reactions to that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, countering that perspective. And, uh, like, Marco Arment being one of them. And uh, Oh, Marco Arment is, like, is so delightfully grumpy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally like, yeah, I want that person to uh, chew on this publicly for a while. <laughs> it's, it was fun to watch. And, uh, the okay, so I think that the idea of working super hard on something is romanticized. Mm-hmm. And somehow, all all sorts of potential underlying complexity can be dismissed because it seems like a happily ever after. Well, you're working hard and you're doing you know, like, I, and something's coming of it. So the end, 
let's let's be clear too. I don't think either of us are suggesting that that's what Becca was doing was romanticizing the hard work thing. Um, no, but, I think quite the opposite. Yes, I agree. In that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, if I came that, off like that, that's not. No, no. I I just want to make sure that there was absolutely no possibility of misunderstanding there. Um, because right. we're both very explicit about this stuff, Rev. But uh, <laughs> it, it's I, I think in Becca's case, when you read the thread, it, it feels more like she's talking about how this side hustle thing causes a lot of frictions, and she doesn't want anybody to uh, misunderstand her talking about being busy as being, oh, I'm so successful, I have to do things, Not you know, I'm, I'm working 15, 20 hours a day, and there's always an assistant with me, walking next to me with a cup of coffee and a phone, and I'm just like, just... It, 100%. Like, uh, like like Cary Grant in his Girl Friday, just like barking orders at this person constantly because that's how important and busy you are. Um, if sure. I may, like if, you're if, not only busy, you're empowered by tons of resources at a certain scale and are able to you know hand off and and um, you know assign work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because yeah, I don't know because the uh, yeah I I went off on a different tangent that that's the other like there are other romantic angles I think on like ultra busyness. I, I think this is great though, because this is, uh, I think a really nice framework to, uh, before we dive into talking about like what side hustle looks like and mm. how we engage with it to frame up, like what our relationship with that word and with the sense of being busy is another thing I think about related to what you were like, if I could build a little bit on what you were talking about, Rob is I think about how I will admit that I have, historically on the many years of podcasting I've been doing have sort of leaned toward the notion of effort as being more important than quote unquote talent. And one of the things that I have hypothesized about like why we get so hung up on these words is that like from an artist standpoint, we want to say effort partially because that makes it our doing right. We're responsible for whatever success we have. It's my doing. I got to do it right. It's my hard work Mm. that got me here. And that, yes, that's part of it. But more than one thing can be true at once, right? And so, yes, there also is such a thing as, you know, some people have dispositions. Some people have a way of seeing things. Some people are just aligned a certain way in in whatever, like, genetic structuring or the way you grew or the environment you grew in predisposes you to certain things. So, yes, talent is kind of a thing, too. It's a part of that whole thing. And so people who aren't practitioners like to throw around the word talent, I suspect, because it lets them off the hook from not like, oh, that's why I couldn't do it. I didn't have the talent. Whereas the people who have the talent say, no, no, this is effort because I want the credit for what I did. <laughs> and, and, and that's also bypassing this whole idea of luck, right place, right time, the environment you grew up in, what kind of resources you had when you started out and who was there to help you. It's, uh, it's way more complex than just saying, I worked really hard. There's so much more there, right? And even when the audience engages with the work, and let's say you become a hit for whatever reason, you don't know exactly why, right? That, that's that's impossible to measure super precisely. And yet, yes, you're part of that equation because you're there and you're doing the stuff, right? But you can't just summarize it all to, well, I worked really hard and that's why I'm very successful. It's a very simplified story and I think it, it is uh, myopic at best. You're reminding me of something that is uh, I encountered it dealing with exploring business hypotheses and you, you come across this concept of product market fit and you can have an awesome idea. You can have an awesome idea that you can execute on and that you get the impression that people will value it. But then 
is it enough people, right? And then you get into this situation of, well, product market fit. How ready is a large group of people ready to accept this thing you're making? And that's, that is the work, like that is work that analysts and researchers and forecasters and all sorts of industries are constantly trying to find ways to mitigate risk to say, yeah, go ahead, invest in this, but not that. And us as like individual sole proprietors, small businesses, what have you doing a creative thing. Um, I don't, I don't think it's common to have such a wide perspective, even if, I mean, gosh, I think it happens sometimes. I would, I would say someone like, um, uh, uh, what Spike Trotman, right? Yeah. I think she's a pretty darn awesome analyst and pretty deeply informed and has a sense of what might be a good thing to do next. Right. But I don't think a lot of us operate on that much of a, as much of a mountain of data reflection and analysis, right. You're, um, you're doing a little bit of a gamble of saying like, did this thing I make really take off or not? And that whole, the coincidence of product market fit can, you know, just not be there. So all that said, I think that, I think that really frames up like what our relationship is with this idea of like doing the side hustle thing while trying to keep, you know, um, keep some kind of income coming in sustainable side Mm. hustle to revisit that topic again. However, introducing art and product development into your life is going to affect your life. It's going to induce a lifestyle change. And without glamorizing any of that, I thought it was worth diving into this again based on Becca's statement. I think this is worth revisiting from time to time. Like, what do we mean? How do we, what's our relationship with this idea of keeping something going while developing new stuff? Because we just went through two months of product development while trying to do all of our other stuff right <laughs> which will go into more depth in yeah. the second part of the show in the second half yeah so like one of the things that i find like so when i go out and interact with the rest of the world as many of you know i joined a bowling league a couple of years ago to like try to um create some kind of scheduled outside world socialization with people who are not necessarily comics people and hmm. um one of the guys on my team, was, we were having a discussion about like work-life balance or whatever, and like, you know, um, sustainability and self-care. And I, I forget how we got there, but the topic of me going home and doing a little bit more work after we were done bowling came up. And there was like a little bit of like a, oh, you know, like that kind of flies in the face of what we were talking about. And I was like, well, no. And I opened up my ATP and I showed him like, see, my work just gets distributed over a huge amount of the day, but there's all these pieces in between where I'm not working, right? Here's two hours where I was, you know, doing some stuff at home, stuff for the home, you know, doing something with Anne, some other activity that wasn't related to my work. So it just means that the eight to 10 hours, well, sometimes more than that, gets distributed from 9 a.m. to around midnight sometimes, but it just gets distributed in chunks. Like that's one of the coping mechanisms coping mechanisms I've developed over the years in order to like manage this. But what that means is is that yeah, it's uh it's kinda like it reminds me sometimes when I worked third shift when I was just starting out, like in my early, early twenties, 
You know, hmm. you you just get out of sync with the rest of the world, right? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I worked third shift like over six years. You, you do. You're like, why is nothing open when I'm awake? <laughs> That's probably less of a problem now than it was when, when the period we're talking. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so getting out of sync. So part of the getting out of sync isn't just like your waking sleeping hours, but it's. Um, I think it's a bit of the expectations of um, just relationships and stuff in general. I'm going to say even this podcast, for instance, I have like, as it happens right now, I have in-laws that are set up to sleep in a room near me where I'm podcasting. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally awesome. But, but it was funny where I'm like, Oh, I'm finishing up dishes and I'm like, well, I'm going to go get ready to podcast And there. And then there was a, I mean, they've known me for a long time and they're like, wait, this, you're doing that now. You, yeah. I know that, but you're doing that now. I'm like, yeah, Thursday nights, here I go. <laughs> and just even that, where it's just sort of a, you, you must've encountered that. Or, I, I mean, even I, I, I honestly, for true, I encountered it tonight. So I got, I was, I, I was teaching a class this evening until six thirty, and I ran into an acquaintance and was like, hey, I found this great ice cream place on the street. We should go. And it's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I got to go pick up my wife and I got I to gotta hurry home because we got to have dinner and then I got to do a podcast at 10. And it was the exact same thing. Like, you're doing it at 10? Why would you do it at 10? <laughs> <laughs> because that's the time I found to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it, it's, <sighs> that is a trade off, right? The trade off. The upside means that, wow, do I have a lot of flexibility in my life to fit in a lot of interesting things. But the trade-off is that I don't I don't feel quite as free to be present when other people have that bandwidth to be present. Yeah. I, I think it's um, a, a level of attentiveness and management of your time as a resource. I think you know, people without a side hustle can be, you know, pretty tuned in to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that it's, I mean, it's just a requirement. It's not optional. If you wish to have and sustain a side hustle, there is a, um, that's a job you have. Now you're a project manager for another portion of your time that you may not necessarily um have to deal with if you weren't worried about that and you're just like well i have a primary way of engaging in trade and i worry about that but then i'm done um well you're not done i remember when i was 24 25 something like that Anna and i were living in phoenix and she worked at an art museum there and one of the preparators which are the dudes and gals who like do a lot of the construction like they build like frames and they build furniture furniture they build the when you see like big exhibits and like installations, like they're the preparators are the people who like do a lot of the art handling and building of the exhibition spaces. Um, and one of the guys that she worked with was a fairly well-respected and well-known paper artist, paper sculpturing. And, but he, you know, that obviously he had, he had a child, he had a family and he had bills to pay. So he worked as a preparator too, but in order to, maintain his paper art uh, hustle he got up at three o'clock in the morning every morning to work from three until when his daughter got up 
And I remember when I heard that when I was 25, I was both like electrified with like, wow, how committed is that guy? And then I also thought, that is insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, that's when you go to bed. That's not when you get up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was in my early 20s. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like project management means that like the, the work gets distributed someplace else because there are other pieces of real life that are non-negotiable especially if you have a family right um well okay so now let's say that um okay you have some practice in navigating the um well this this quirky thing that doesn't that that's that's different for a lot of folks that you interact with in your family or your friends and what have you you get good at that after a while or you know better than you were and then um there's still more challenges to deal with. Right. I mean, there's, um, let's see. So like, even when you're, um, even when you're getting a foothold in engaging in trade with that thing, it's still that it's still, um, fledgling in a way. Sure. Yeah. So like a good example is, okay. So I had a book come out this June called science comics rockets. We'll talk about it in the second break of the show. Mm -hmm. And, when did I start? And I started work on that in late 2016, somewhere in the neighborhood. Hmm. So between late 2016 to mid 2017, is that right? No, it was longer. Anyway, there was a year and change that we worked on that book, right? While we're working on this book, and this book becomes like basically a full time job because we're researching and we're penciling, inking, writing, drawing, and we're fact checking and we're working with editors and designers, you know, 22 different versions of the cover and whatever. Um, and while we're doing this, we're also having this discussion where it's like we should be working on some pitches because when this book is done, if it does okay, we should have something at the ready to pitch to the publisher. So while we were, Anne's working a day job, I'm teaching. We're working full time on this book. We're also supposed to be nurturing new things, right? It's not, it's not set it and forget it, right? Oh, well, we got a book. Well, that's all. We're, we're done now. We're okay, right? No, we did the book and now, oh, and then the book's done. Hooray. Get the book in and look at it and look at the cover and feel very proud of ourselves. Oh, now we got to go on book tour. Well, that's exciting. We get to go share our book with children. Yeah, now we're traveling all over the place, right? Now we're driving here and driving there, spending weekends in different towns, not working. <laughs> so when are we going to get these pitches done? So it's like all of these different – I don't mean – I hope this isn't coming across as me being in any way embittered by this. I'm more of laughing at the meaningful stress of the challenge, right? Well, and there's different, I mean, so uh, one stage of success doesn't equal infinite success. <laughs> so you cross the threshold and guess what the level, the, 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 the boss shows up. And I like, got the P wing in super Mario three. And now I could just fly forever. That's, that's what getting published is. The P wing stands for published. <laughs> uh, Mario's published. He's like, yeah, you obstacles. <laughs> No obstacles for me. I'm published. Publish Mario. <laughs> if this were a poly or a um um uh, an extra lean, it'd be called Publish Mario. Um, so I'll, I'll capture that in case it's a t-shirt idea. Right. Uh, <laughs> there could be some good visual puns in there too. As far I don't know, like uh, let's see, P Wing. He's got a book. Uh, yeah. Hey, we'll see what happens. But um, the the stage of success 
in order to stoke and nurture it and have it continue, it may, it's not like the snapshot in time. It's a progression. So how do you continue the progression? There's different work to do at different stages. And so the, the work just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm hearing, right? Because I, yeah, yeah I, I really, I've not, I have not experienced that as uh, as one of my side side things yet. Mm. Where um, I mean, other than I mean, okay, no, all right, I'll draw an, I'll draw something parallel in uh, making a video game. So you make a video game and you get it out in the world. Um, a guitar fretter, I when I first published it, I was lucky as far as the time frame and the amount of um, like quality games and the overall hurdle or whatever. Um, it was, I think a really above average game at its time when it was published. And especially when it had an educational aspect to it, because that it had a useful and intriguing aesthetic and approachable, you know, cartoon style, what have you. And it did teach the, well, it, it was a, you can get a handy skill by playing it, whatever. So it stood out in a couple of ways. And then it also, um, somehow there weren't a lot of games doing a lot of keyword ads at the time. And I'm not saying I, I like, I made a mountain of money or whatever. It was a nice little amount of money for getting, finishing this game. But like I did some well-timed ads where I would spend like somewhere around 10 cents an ad and make two bucks off the game. Right. And they had high conversion for a month and a half, right? It was, it was magic. I thought, I know what I'm doing for the next 10 years. More of this as it started to go boop, 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 boop. Then it went. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, what? No, what? And you know, plenty of people are investing tons of time and whatever. And so there's like these stages of like, well, I, I, you know, I developed a game and I tested and played and got it out and got a signal that's positive. And I continue, I started working on a new version or new features and was working on wearing multiple hats because hi side gig. Um, and one of those hats was marketing. I figured out a thing. I'm like, Oh, look at this thing. I figured out it's, it's, it's not even the main thing I do. I'm a genius. And, and then it, it didn't work out like long, long term. And so I, there's this, there's a dynamic nature also to the different stages, just because it's finished, it needs to get marketed. You got to find your, your audience and they got to buy it and you got to support it. And that's the other thing as far as software platforms change. So all of a sudden um, the, the tools you build the thing with uh, you think, Hey, it's a, this is fine and happy. I published my game. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to do anything with it other than sort of tend to it and nurture it and marketing, whatever. Nope, not true. Uh, platform says, hey, guess what? That thing that is inside the tech that you use to build it, mm, it's not welcome anymore in our marketplace. You have 30 days to change that. And if you don't, boom, you're out. Get out of here. Leave the stadium. You're not, in, you're not welcome anymore. Get out. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's my side thing. I had other plans now what? Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Parallels. Yeah. Other problems. Yeah. So, okay. So you have to develop new stuff while maintaining the stuff that seems to be working. That's giving you a good yeah. signal, right? So, mm-hmm. for instance, a question that I run into every term at where I teach is, should I back off of teaching more to leave more bandwidth for some of my product development? 
And then Anne and I have a really hard discussion about it. Like, well, can we afford it if I do that? Well, yeah, maybe we can. But then the question comes up. If you back away from this really positive signal that you're getting, will the signal stop coming, right? Like to between the ages of 12 and 13, if you miss a year of something because you couldn't register because it was it was more limited, right? Like a, just fewer spaces to register for the class. Well, maybe you outgrow it because you don't get that feedback loop anymore, right? A year is, a, is an enormous amount of time to somebody who's 12 and 13 years old versus me. Yeah, it's like right? almost 10% of your life, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, ooh, if I'm getting like a lot of positive feedback from there, I should probably keep feeding it and nurturing it to keep that signal strong. And I mean, it's also, it's like, I really like helping kids, but but also it's my job, right? Like, so anyway, so like there's that pressure as well. So the pressure is limited bandwidth, side hustle thing, nurture the thing that's starting to work for you while developing new stuff. <laughs> Why do we it. do this? Why do we do this? Uh, yeah, good question. That is um, probably a different episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, clearly it, you've bought, you've bought into this saying that, I do have something to trade and I want to see it, see it succeed. I'm going to do some kind of, I'm going to make some things I can put out into the world. And is that one thing and you keep tweaking and evolving it? Is it a lot of different things? I mean, whatever your approach is, um, you're doing that something. And um, there's, I think the other underlying thing besides the, you know, under, underneath the side aspect of the hustle is like something has to pay the rent. Something has to um, also, you know, put food on your table and support your family, what have you. So that's um, again, like, I mean, what you mentioned earlier, Jersey, but that's uh, so all this stuff, which I think is natural. I don't think it's, it's not like saying that, Hey, guess what? You get to figure out, go through the challenges of, of making a thing and getting it into the world. And then, you know, and then it's, it's, it's a terrible tragedy that somehow there's more work to do. It's more just acknowledging it, you know, yeah. it's, it it's makes sense. They're well, different problems they're solving. It, it goes back to the whole, that more than one thing can be true at the same time kind of thing that I, I heard or that I paraphrased from Becca's tweet about this is just hmm. that. There is the assumption that, wow, if somebody's talking about how busy they are all the time, everything must be going great. Well, no, if somebody's busy all the time, what I also hear is that they're harried, they're hustling like crazy. And uh, I'm not saying that, that it's not working for them, but like there's like there's a lot of trade-offs in pursuing this. And the, the harriedness is also meaningful, right? Like when I'm exhausted from teaching a class, it's like, whew, I did my job today. Right, I feel I feel good about that, even though I'm wiped out. So, anyway, uh, yeah. There's one more. Let's see. I, does it relate to this? It's. I, I think there's an aspect of of um, there's an aspect of of Becca's tweet that um, it's kind of highlighting an assumption that people can have about artists, right? And I thought there was a really cool tweet that I don't have a link to right now, but it was, uh, it was by Brad Geiger and it was, he even did, it was, it was pretty sweet because like, as a, um, I, I admired 
the richness of the tweet as a mechanism to share something from a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, how do we do that? That's really nice. But he, he highlights one minute of a podcast that he does um, that is escaping me right now. But it, um, but he describes how um, there was a panel that he observed and someone handled a question related to uh, free content or something like that. And it's like, it's, it's when I think it's important to acknowledge that it's natural for someone unfamiliar with what you do. They've got their own worldview, their own assumptions and however they value stuff is however they value stuff. And there's a chance that how you present your work can help them understand more and change their perspective. Maybe it's possible. And like in what, what Brad Geiger shared was, um, an example of someone in an audience saying, um, you know, griping about a paywall for an artist's work and saying like, oh, you know, you, you lock away this stuff, but the rest is free. That doesn't seem fair or whatever. Right. And the artist flipped it and said, well, the, it's the, and, and this is my hand wavy paraphrasing, right? Sorry about that. But the artist phrased it as, well, it's this not free stuff that enables everything else to, to exist. Because if it weren't for that, I couldn't do any, like anything in my life. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't pay the rent. I couldn't do the free stuff. So yeah, it's pretty critical. I think that's a great place to end this section. All right, cool. uh, Do you want to talk about leveraging creative challenge to enhance or, well, let's just say enhance your hustle. <laughs> Let's see. Do you mean stuff like Art Sound Off and Inktober? Yeah, that's what I'm talking Doing about. For over 60 days in a row. I'm talking might, about why I'm tired and angry this. all the time, Rob. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> well, uh, I've got a. Yeah, I'm ready. I think okay. I'm, I've got some things to share about that. I think okay. you do too. I do too. Okay. Well, we'll be back in a minute and 30 seconds to talk about that. Before we do that, we want to thank some people who support us, some people who make the show possible. You know, it's the it's the, the people who pay who make the free stuff possible, and those people are the ones who support us on Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash leanintoart. Look, I know everybody's asking for money right now. We're in, like, the giving season, so you're getting a lot of emails from people saying, donate to this, support that, buy this, big sale. All we're saying is, if you believe in us and the stuff that we do, a dollar a month can support us for as little as a dollar a month if enough, if enough people do that then this show will be sustainable it will be paying for itself and we want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that five or more a month actually this group first greg Hov- Hov- horvath greg i'm sorry i keep screwing up your name is greg horvath you can find greg on twitter at igmhorv77 thank you greg and carrie goble billick who you can find on twitter at mushin girl also at mushin girl on facebook thank you carrie Gail Bushman, who is Nightingale Art on Facebook. Find her art there. Ashley Knapp, longtime friends of the, friend of the show. Been on the show before. Ashley, thank you so much. You can find Ashley at Control-Alt-Lee on Twitter. And finally, Rachel Ross, dear Rachel Ross, at NYC Terrace on Twitter. You can join them at patreon.com slash art, where you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record just for patrons. And they become an open mic post where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe space where only leaners hang out. And it's also Extra Lean is a show where Rob and I just kind of riff 
So you get to hear us put together topics live and on the fly. Patreon.com slash Thanks to everybody who has been supporting us there. Your support means a lot to us, honestly. Thank you very much. All right, here comes some music for... Oh, I want to do something heavy duty. Ah, yes. <laughs> Leveraging creative challenges. Why do we do this? What have I brought upon myself? Is this, um, what's this from? Transformers season three. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> also, uh, because yeah, it's sounded- of the movie. Gee, it was used in both. Yeah. They used it in both movies. Both oh, series. wild. So, uh, okay. Yes, it was it was the creepy music they played at the beginning of G.I. Joe the movie when Pythona starts to infiltrate the Terradrome. We don't know who she is yet. All we see is the cloaked figure cutting through walls with giant poison fingernails. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, it's isn't that where the Serpentor shows up? Uh it's just it's just after that. Serpentor was in a miniseries called Arise Serpentor Arise. We don't need to go into this. I don't want to talk <laughs> about cartoons. <laughs> What's funny is is uh my somewhat familiarness can trigger things where you're like, I can help you. And, and honestly it helps. So like it fills in a lot of gaps because I'm like, uh, I kind of know this, but yeah. So it's this, this, not the conceit is, of the show though. What, what, this will go back to that story of when Rob and I first hung out face to face, Rob made the unfortunate error of bringing up a relatively obscure eighties cartoon and then, <laughs> and then didn't get to breathe for like 15 minutes while I went on and on and on. Yeah, it's a problem. Okay, but you know what yeah. else is a problem? Uh, being kind of hooked on making stuff sometimes and saying, looking at a creative challenge, saying like, that looks like fun. You know what would make it more fun? If I made a product by participating in that creative challenge. It's such a tension. <laughs> because I, what you described sounds like um, it's, it's almost like saying that sandwich, that's not spicy. Yeah, you've got horseradish, but did you put some jalapeno? Did you throw some like super hot, like some nice hot sauce, like a sriracha or something, right? And then you're like, yeah, I think most mortals, that's spicy. But you know what would make it really spicy? And then, you know, you go ghost pepper on it or something. It's and- just like just spoonfuls of wasabi and just pushing it right to the back <laughs> of the throat. <laughs> and I'm... I think that kind of like, um, like brazen, um, excited desire to explore difficulty. That's something sure, but there's a practicality too. Cause you said make product and that's not, that's not just about like, make it difficult, more spice, add the, you know, whatever. And there's like, no. Hey, wait a minute. No, I'm yeah, make a let's, thing. let's not, let's not uh, has a twist. Let's not lead to any misunderstandings about that either, because like part of the methodology we came up with was like, let's mitigate the spice. Let's make this manageably spicy so that I don't destroy my mouth in taking uh-huh. on this challenge. Right. Um, there was, there was yeah. a lot of risk diminishment. Um, yeah. And, and actually Carrie, uh, Global, uh, Billick is in the chat, Mushin Girl, and who also shipped a product for Inktober. Uh, shipped a comic for uh, mini comic month the hashtag she mm. came up with and she's agreeing like absolutely it was practicality hit the nail on the head yes uh i had a conversation with uh, a longtime friend of mine who doesn't make comics 
um, and I was telling him about Art Sound Off, and I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm checking in every day, uh, but I'm trying to make an audiobook shipped out of it, so I'm trying to do five minutes at a go to make an audiobook. And he was like, wow, that's so cool. Just like, just five minutes a day and you get like a book out of it. That is such a great way to do it. And I said, as a reflex, like, I hate it. <laughs> like, I just want like two hours to just work on something. I'm so tired sometimes of just like chipping these little tiny bits at it. Like it, it gets, at times, it gets very frustrating, right? Well, yeah, I mean, because we're not robots, right? It, it's like you can you can set up a system, you can have the skills to participate and 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 act upon the plan um, provided by this system, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily sustainable easily. You know, there's there's a lot of friction to it, mm-hmm. um, which could be just your normal day to day commitments. Saying that, well, I didn't really make like extra space by stopping a thing. And then uh, now I'm just adding this, this, this creative challenge. Well, that probably will have a side effect to it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess like, is it worth stepping back and just talking about like how creative challenges, they come with a friction, right? (laughs) It comes baked in. uh, And that's kind of part of the idea behind it. It's like when we talk about creative challenges, we're talking about like NaNoWriMo. Inktober, um, formerly 30 characters in 30 days, which I don't think is happening anymore. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but the, the idea is, is that in addition to everything else you do, you just introduce this tiny extra bit of friction, but do it a playful way. Leave it open and loose. Inktober, it's like just do an ink drawing a day. And it's just, it's a way for you to do a daily check-in. You're playing along with other people. It has a celebratory feeling. Like, hey, it's Inktober season. Cool. We're all doing drawings and ink. And it's hopefully not too big of an investment on your part. Um, it's goal focused. Cool, I did my workout for thirty days, you know. And then it's also practice focused, right? It's like ah, I got a little bit more experience with using this kind of inking tool, that kind of inking tool, or in the case of Art Sound Off, got a little experience collecting my thoughts verbally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what isn't that enough, right? Why what happens when you add more to that? Like what trade offs do we run into? The moment we say like hey let's make a thing too what ones did you run into when you were doing yours rob because you were you were trying to ship a product with inktober and you covered this on the polytechnic cast which is also you were trying to use uh, art sound off as a way to collect some potential blog posts yeah oh yeah um let's see yeah, both Inktober and Art Sound Off were a form of development for other things. They were, they were something in and of themselves, partic- participating in a creative challenge, um, and that has this feedback loop to it. It's like, hey, I made a thing, and then the next day, hey, I made a thing, and the next day, and then there's other people who are like, yeah, you made a thing. That's nice. That that's really nice. Um, <laughs> and sometimes people go, yeah, you made a thing, and I thought this and it's like, well, geez, wow. Thought that sweet. I'm going to go make a thing again. And then that's, that is, um, that's worthwhile. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. I mean, the whole thing is optional, right? But if you're like, you opt into a creative challenge by its, by its sort of, you know, basic structure, um, a lot of creative challenges have sort of, um, placeholder prompts and stuff where inherently you, aren't adding up that effort 
to one cohesive thing other than the story of how you participated in the creative challenge, which that's a thing too, right? Um, plenty, plenty of folks have made a, you know, made a, made a zine or a mini comic out of that. And that's, that's great. Um, that's going another level too, saying like, well, I did a thing and there's a story of it. And I shared that story, made a product out of it. Cool. But then to say, I'm going to use the mechanism of the creative challenge to then generate other possible things or a thing, whatever. And so, yeah, I did a couple of, um, I had some topics and dives and, you know, you know, bullet points within those topics. Um, but you were doing a whole audiobook. are doing an audiobook development through your participating participation in art sound off, which sounds even, it sounds really hard to be honest. It was, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> cause I thought, I thought like, well, I'm used to doing these thunder punch daily micro essays and I'm, I just sound out ideas on the fly all the time. This is a topic that I'm very familiar with. The topic I chose was like something that I, I, I looked at, like, what do I get a lot of requests about? Like, oh, do episodes of the show on leading comics workshops. Uh, I get asked by people, could you send me the PDF of your how to lead a comics workshop kit that you developed years ago? Um, it's something, it's one of the higher ranking topics that I get asked to speak about. And so I thought, well, I'll just do an audiobook about that because I could speak very readily to it. And I know there's demand for it. What I didn't anticipate was how my relationship with showing up to do a micro essay changes when I know it's a piece of a larger thing. Meaning now I'm worried about consistency a lot more than <laughs> I was before. And I'm also, I got to do some pre-planning now. This isn't about listing a bunch of prompts. I, I have to write an outline for this thing. And when I wrote the outline, as I showed up to talk about that subject every day. So like I did all 30 days worth of outlining. So I wrote an outline for the book and then I chunked it into 30 days, which didn't take that long. And, and actually that was to my detriment because some of the days when I showed up, okay, it's day 15. What do I got for day 15? It's like, Ooh, I didn't think through this point very carefully. Now I got to spend a half hour to an hour sort of redrafting this, this section. Right. Oh. And so I'm going to re I'm going to redraft it. Now I'm going to rehearse it. So I talk through it once because Again, we're worried about consistency, and I don't want to be sounding like I'm coming up with this stuff on the fly as much because this is meant to be something that stands a little bit on its own legs a little bit longer. And then, oh, I rehearsed it, and that, that came across weird. I don't think that's quite as clear. All right, let's redraft that. I'm going to retype this. Okay, now I think I've got something. Let's run through it again. I'm running through it. Oh, I'm stumbling. I'm going, uh... Okay, well, now I'm going to have to edit that because you don't want that in an audiobook, right? So now I have to listen to my recording again. And chop out all the awkward bits and, and even re-record some sentences that weren't as clear after I listened to them again. Hmm. Um, so it, it just, I introduced a whole layer of production that I didn't anticipate. And I still don't think it's, I don't think it's 100% primetime ready, but I think it's a minimum viable product ready, if that makes sense. Hmm. Oh, Mushu Girl's asking consistency of tone, audio quality, length, all of those. Yes, I'm thinking of, there were days that I recorded where I had a cold and I don't think I came through as dynamically as I typically do, like all the, the range of my voice that I use. And I worry about that. Do I need to re-record that session? Um, there were days where maybe uh, the audio quality, actually the audio quality was another problem because in our sound off past, 
I've like some I've recorded right here with this mic, some I've recorded on my phone. I had that flexibility. Can't do it when you're doing an audiobook. At least I didn't feel like I could, right? I kind of <laughs> want chapter five to be recorded on my phone. So I had to do it in this chair, <laughs> sure. right? So that meant yeah. that now I don't have quite as much flexibility as to when that happens. There there have been art sound offs in the past where it's five minutes before I go to class and I'm in my car and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna dash off a quick little essay. Which I always felt like that was I felt a lot of friction just doing that, but this this introduced a whole new layer of friction. So mm. some of these 15-minute episodes took as long as an hour to produce, which, well, Inktober, I spent about an hour inking each panel, so it's like even Steven when it comes to like the, the amount of commitment. But to do that two months in a row, that was that was taxing. That's a factor. Like stacking those two challenges, one right after the other, um, has a certain severity to it to me (laughs) um okay so that uh i felt like a lighter version of some of the pressures you describe uh because the i my idea was to have um approachable useful thoughts related to both doing well on one major topic well independent game development and then on another major topic um advocating for the whole discipline of user experience is something that isn't a closed off thing just for a chosen few. It's like, honestly, it's for everybody. And, uh, that's something of like that I've, that I've drafted written outlines, all sorts of thoughts here and there. Sometimes we talk about related things on the, on, you know, the lean into art cast and stuff, but, um, but it's one of those things where I haven't been consistently blogging and the list gets longer. And other ideas come up where I think, you know, I really do want to do a new workshop on this. When do I develop that? And I'll, you know, how do I, and then what if I did develop it where some rough drafts of it were public then, and you know, this, this seems like it really could be a fit for art sound off because some of my process for developing a workshop involves recording performances of it, or even sections of it, or even early explorations where because i've practiced doing the audio performing stuff it's a way to not face a blank page and so all right but there's there's a big chasm between not facing a blank page and saying this is a finished audio product this is a finished um a portion of a finished audio product pretty big difference because even the stuff that i produced in the way i produced it i wouldn't necessarily go all right, just as it is, transcribe it and publish it. This is going to Medium or this is going to my blog or whatever. But I, but maybe, maybe some of them, I don't know. <clears throat> so it's, uh, but, and so there was a lot of practice there. And oh my gosh, then the whole thing of, um, I don't know if I've even had one Polytechnicast survive that was done in the field and until now because the severe constraint i was like i don't know where they're going to come from i don't think i'm going to have time to be in my studio today or the next few days for instance the start of the of the challenge i went to california on a business trip so it's like yeah that sucks as far as 
um, like, uh, you know, I, I can bring some tools with me, but, um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a puzzle and, um, and then fitting that in to this, like a bigger intention. I think this is another friction that comes up when you start to turn it into product development as well as artistic challenge. Cause last year I did art sound off and I took five days off from it. Because I went on a vacation. Wow. I went on a vacation, Rob. That was like, let's do that more. That was pretty great. Going and not doing anything except drawing for fun, looking at mountains. That's awesome. Uh, more please. And But I knew I was going to Death Valley, California, where I knew connectivity was going to be an issue. I looked into it ahead of time because I thought, okay, how am I going to handle this? Um, and so we talked about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to update for five days. And you're like, yeah, dude, like it's... It's totally cool. This is a, a flexible art challenge. But when it turns into product development, that la- adds a whole new layer of friction in that it doesn't ma- necessarily make me feel committed to do it every day as much as it does that if I want to make sure that everything gets developed, how do I distribute it to maximize the time over the widest possible area, right? So like when it came to Inktober, where I did the Baron Von Baron mini comic. Um, which is debuting next weekend at Tiny Expo, everybody. Um, oh, and I'm doing a special promotion on Patreon where if you, if you sign up at Team Fleet level, I'll actually mail it to you. Uh, but there were, I knew that there was going to be like four days or something in October where I was going to be at the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. So it's like I'm, I know I'm not going to be able to work on the comic then. So that means like I have to be a little bit more creative of how I distribute that work over the remaining days, right? <sighs> And and it meant that if any if if I missed a day, that work compounds. Now that has to get redistributed over the remaining time. And that's adding more friction in the sense of more math and more product project management. Whereas if I was just doing the challenge for fun, it'd be like, Oh well, I missed a couple of days. Right. I'll just do another drawing tomorrow. It it really yeah, it it does compound. When um, when, yeah, the product development, because, um, I was attached to the idea that I wanted to cover a certain minimum amount of these things, these, uh, these different, uh, the breakdowns of the topics that I wanted to explore. I wanted to cover a minimum of that, then with a little sprinkling of some journaling here and there. And I didn't know exactly what I had some ideas. I wrote a, you know, a list of topics potentially out that in the beginning, uh, in a mind mind map that I thought, okay, along these things like the journaling, the, um, or like other oddball topics, but then UX and video game side gig stuff. Okay. And then it's like, well, yeah, I want to see this come, come about like there's, you know, and this, and I know that once this month passes, I will not be doing this, this intensive product development for it. I'll want a break. So when I am accepting, yeah, I'm going to go through the difficulty, whatever, and adjustments and challenges during the big umbrella challenge, then it's that that's, it's worth making the most of that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So. Okay. But let's, let's, we talked about some trade-offs there, but let's also talk about like the upside. Like it is. It is darn satisfying. Like I, like I said, I just finished printing Baron von Baer. Do I have? I don't think I do. Ah, oh, I do. 
Got it in my old everyday carry. I got to tell you. So here is the cover. Baron Von Baron. Oh, the case that's of awesome. Five color Beautiful. screen print cover. Right. Actually, if you really want to get technical. Five colors. Five colors. Screen print. One, two, three, four, five. So we had four colors of the wisps. Plus, I had to get the Baron's fur color. But actually, if you really want to get technical, it's six because I also put the I letter pressed the copyright and printing information wow. on there. Um, anyway, uh, it's extremely satisfying to have this in my hands after a month of work, right? It, that I did on the side. It didn't interfere too much with my work day, right? I did all the stuff that I was expected to do in my life and put in an extra hour a day. And at the end, I got this new product that I get to take to a convention in a week and test test how it works in the market, right? Um, so it's is it worth it? Is it worth it? Yes, of course it's worth it. Yes, it is. <laughs> Much like buying the best shampoo, you can say, yes, I'm worth it. <laughs> I'm worth it. So... I, I feel the same about, so going into um, de- December and January, that's when I do a lot of goal planning. And I think, have I set myself up to do some interesting things next year? And I think I have. So I feel very satisfied with by, by exploring these topics and, um, and having them just expressed. And honestly, they, they didn't go through quite the rigor you described, Jersey, but like I recorded maybe... 15 to 20 polytechnicasts that some of the, like that I didn't post this month. <laughs> so I probably recorded about 50, right? And um a sub so some of those I did reperformances of and the ideas were more clear and refined even though some of them I recorded in my studio and I thought, "Ah, great. That's going to be a nice sounding one." And I listened to it and I thought, "Nope, got to do it again." <laughs> And the version of it that I published was done like just recording on my commute. Mm. And, uh, but my thinking was more uh, clarified and structured to navigate the topic. And I thought, you know what? Okay. Having that in hand going into my goal planning season feels like a, like a power up, like a resource that I can think about what, what do I want to do with that? Yeah, same thing with the the audiobook that I did is like now that now that that big chunk of work is done, I feel like okay, now comes the the fun part of figuring out how I'm going to package this thing up and what is its life cycle going to look like as I develop this thing out because I think something you said when I first told you the idea was like, "Oh, I could see you easily making like update modules to this." Like here's a new here's a new module that you can ship on whatever site you put it on, right? Like months yep. down the road. Here's a new uh, lesson plan that I developed, and here's some more thoughts on using. Totally, I mean it's new. It's new content for that overall um, work, which is, I mean, it's like DLC, downloadable content for a game or whatever. It's an expansion pack. Expansion pack. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know my gaming terminology. Uh, Carrie says it's like loading up on carbs before a sporting event, prepping for success. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good comparison. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I carbo loaded podcast. Oh, no, no, no. All right. <laughs> Cause then yes, like also like the thing that 
I think we both talked about off mic about what I was doing too is like, oh wow, you could run that through some um, text to speech or, or no speech to text software to see what you could like turn it into a, like a, a textbook as well as an audio book afterwards. Very much so. And so, yeah, yeah, the two formats, I mean, um, if I'm using it to generate content for another podcast, then I might use, I use this app called just press record, which has built in transcription, but it's, it's automated. Right. Um, but there are sites like uh, rev.com that I've found are pretty good. So they can take your audio and make it, uh, not just one big sentence. They will turn it into, yeah, sentences and paragraphs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so like it, plenty it's, of other stuff. It's also, I think, worth saying that despite trade-offs, despite frictions, you walk out with a thing that is maybe it's not quite as polished and finished as you'd like it to be, but this is the first stage of its evolution as a thing, right? And this thing can have like a longer life cycle than just like I made a thing, here it is, right? Yeah, I mean the, the idea of of uh, product developments they they don't appear as a whole finished thing that's perfectly suited to solve this task. I mean, it's, um, it's in some stage of it, of its existence, it's further along than if you did anything, you know, did nothing. Right. So I, I do feel, you know, pretty good that I've, I ha I'd need to explore it more and think through how do I want to apply it? But there are some, uh, some useful materials to mine and consider different constructions of. Similar to NaNoWriMo, where the the goal is not to have a polished novel that you can now send to a publisher. If that happens, <laughs> bully for you. You just achieved a miracle. <laughs> but uh, but the idea is to, to like put a ton of effort into something that now maybe there's something there that you can mine and refine and polish mm. do subsequent mm. drafts with, right? I like that. Yeah, to mine and refine. Did I appeal to your inner dwarf? <laughs> Tolkien dwarf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh the the I am I am a uh, a Tolkien product developer who likes rhymes and likes to mine. So I put in the notes, Rob, actually something from the chat that I thought maybe we could consider doing as a final thought. I'll let you look at it while I do uh the mm. second second ad break. Yeah, I saw that one. Okay. So I can think about it more, but I'm good. Oh, so. okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. So we're going to take one more break before we get to final thought. And we got to thank some other people who make this show possible. Those people, those people happen to be. See, this is wonderful. I can make that trip up right now. I can do that. Those happen. I mean, people happen to be. And I don't need to edit it because this is just a conversation <laughs> between two buddies. We have, have to, go to go cut, cut, <laughs> retake. Oh, I should release the raw recording because there's so many times where you hear me just going, <sighs> and then I say the sentence again and I trip up in the last word and go, <sighs> and then I do it again. Oi, how do actors do it? I don't know. Okay, right, so, so when you roll on the floor giggling like Dom DeLuise in um, Cannonball Run, that's I don't I don't have I don't have Burt Reynolds hitting me with his hat. See, I would be delighted to be that guy. I, I thought Dom DeLuise was just. The, the apple of my eye when I was a little kid. That was terrific. Huh. But uh yeah, I, I need I need a mustachioed hairy man to like whack me with a hat while I do that. All right. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
we were to think some people make this show possible. Those people have to be us. We make stuff and we talk. The stuff that we make generates these thoughts that we bring to this show that we make every week or so. And the thing that I make, okay, holiday season time again, everybody. So I'm pointing to a thing that you can buy in stores everywhere. Uh, I would like it if you got it from, if I may ask for two things, get the book and then go to, by going to a local bookstore rather than going to like Amazon. I know Amazon's super convenient and I use Amazon too, but you know, if you got a local bookstore in your town, see if they can get this copy for you. It is called science comics rockets Defying gravity. And it is a comics documentary about the history and science of rockets as told by the animals who participated in rocket history. Yes. Dogs. Everybody knows that dogs went to space. Chimps, you bet. Everybody knows that chimps went to space. Did you know that spiders went to space? That quails went to space? That uh, tortoises went to space? Yes, and they are all in the book, and they talk about it, and then it wraps up with a chapter about how now we send robots into space. And you'll also learn how rockets work. You'll know a lot more about the history of rockets, not just about their uses for space exploration and military purposes, but also entertainment. Like how, you know, commerce... And uh, trying to climb social hierarchies influenced rocket development. And you'll find out more information about the book at sciencecomicsrockets.com. And you can find it in bookstores everywhere. Rob, you made a game, didn't you? Did oh, you? Oh, yes. <laughs> I did. I'm guilty. It's, uh, it's called This Panda Needs You. And it's a, it's a really approachable, mellow puzzle game the way you're where you're doing some shape matching patterns you know solving patterns and stuff with a little bit of physics right so you got colors shapes physics and it's you're stacking blocks that's that's what that's what the deal is and what's funny is the the panda is like going through this little bamboo forest some nice little grassy field blocks are fine when the panda shows up but a cloud knocks them all down and well now the panda needs you to put things back to the way they should be and uh along the way you're stacking the music changes and gets gets like it's still super mellow but it gets a little more celebratory and the closer you get to solving it and all that and it's like it's just a lot of fun and then once you solve it the panda does a dance for you and you move on to another level and there's like over 50 levels in this thing and um that's it's available on all sorts of platforms and it's on uh, iphone uh ipad Android phones and tablets, and also Windows and Mac desktop. And you can get links to the, all those things at this-panda.com. And if you purchased it and you haven't yet, please consider giving it a review wherever you purchased it, giving it a five-star or more review. Say some nice things about it. That helps more people find it. Even if you just say, this game is great. My kids love it. I love it. My friends love it. Something like that. <laughs> okay, uh, but if you're here because you like the way we think about things more than the, the stuff that we make, that is fine. That is fair because this is a product that we make as well. And we have more products like them at leanintoart.com slash workshops where you can find self-contained videos about different topics that we talk about on the show at a price of your choosing even free. You don't have to pay a, a single cent for it. You just download it right now and try it out for yourself. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it. But if you do like it, if you get some value out of it, a great thing you could do is purchase it for a friend. Then you're giving a gift to somebody, holiday season and whatnot. And you're also giving us a tip for the thing that we made for you. If you're watching the video on YouTube right now, giving it a thumbs up helps more people find the show. If you're listening to it in a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, giving it a five-star review, wherever you listen to it helps more people find the show as well. And we appreciate everybody who has been doing those things for us. It means a lot. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Final thought time. Okay. <clears throat> very interesting question you've highlighted here. Mm -hmm. um, you have something uh, by Nate Marcel. 
And um, let's see. I, he says, let's, I don't know, let's see. I'm at work, but I had a question. I jotted down in my journal for you guys. Where does the bandwidth come from for UI development? And then he elaborates saying that uh, mini comics, websites, web comics, even sketchbooks and journals have some kind of UI and it eats up iterations and energy to figure out that, to figure that stuff out, the optimal interactions with your stuff. So yeah, where, you've got, where, 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 where does the bandwidth come from? Yeah. Where does the bandwidth come from? Yep. And in acknowledging that it is it is um, additional effort, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your yeah, you got your raw capability thing to use or or interact with, but then it it needs some way of being found and arrived at and then explored, right? So this bandwidth I find can be again we're talking about distribution of time. It could be distributed over very, very vast stretches of time. I have a case in point. So here is a mini-comic that I just finished. This mini-comic was first produced... Oh, by the way, for those who are listening in the audio, this is Captain Cat, former Shark Hunter, which was first published, I want to say, in like 2014, 2015, something Hmm. like that. Yeah. First iteration of this book was screen-printed cover, and the screen-printed cover was designed based on previous iterations where my very first screen printed gigs or or covers, I was trying to do really tight registration because that's what you just do. That's all. That's how comics are colored. You got lines and you got colors inside of the lines. And I quickly realized after my first couple of print runs, like, ooh, lining that up by hand is really hard and I don't have registration pins and I don't want to like do the whole business of putting registration pins in and cutting the paper. I want to line it up by hand. So maybe I should design a cover where registration isn't quite an issue. So oh, I designed look at that. this white haze behind the captain with the sharks underneath him, right? And then the, yeah. the roughly speaking, a circular design that falls into that circle, that haze behind him, so that I can be a little off here and there, and it doesn't compromise the design, right? So there's the first iteration I did. But this first round I did, I did screen printed. Now, if you look closely, let's see if my camera can focus on this. Uh-huh. Oh, um, see, oh. It's hard to see. Dots. There's a dot pattern on the cat, because I wanted to go for an old-timey kind of 1930s comic strip sort of look to it. Mm-hmm. I'm putting this on a screen with holes in the screen, which means that the if I lined it up incorrectly, I would get moray patterns. You know what a moray pattern is? Where you see like that sort of like... Uh, inadvertent pattern that happens when you put like two meshes against each other. If you took like two screens and it's like, um, isn't it sort of like, there's almost like unintentional blobs. There's yes. like thinness and thickness and it's not, it, exactly. it doesn't really flow like it was uh, designed to look like that. It's like blobby. But I wanted to keep this design because it also creates these dots, create like a raised kind of ink feeling that makes it very tactile. So when you think about user experience, user interface, user, this is more user experience than interface. People would touch the cover and they would go like, oh, you know, like there was always this oh mm-hmm. factor because they felt like a texture there. Like then they'd say, this is screen printed. Oh, wow. But it made it more difficult to do. So I got letterpress plates made because letterpress plates are very, very high definition and they could do the dot pattern. I don't have to worry about moray patterns now. But now we've got another level of complexity in that. Where am I going to find the time to actually print these new letterpress covers? So I have been participating in the Ann Arbor District Library's letterpress lab 
for the past year or so now. And it's every Wednesday at the Ann Arbor District Library. And so I thought, well, I'm going there anyway to do little letterpress experiments. Why don't I bring in my paper stock and just print up a batch of these covers while I'm there? Hmm. Right. So it's like my social time with the people of the letterpress club get to talk about letterpress printing and everything. And while I'm there, I'm also finding the, the bandwidth to do another iteration of this mini comic cover. There's there's a co mini comic example. Do you have a uh, UI UX example, Rob, of finding that bandwidth? Uh, yeah, finding the time. Let's see here. I think I find the time in that not all of the effort has to be immensely. Um, it, it doesn't have to take a lot of effort because when you when you even when you chat with people about your projects, you'll notice if what you can try to tune in to if they're following you and like really feeling the pitch that you're giving them, or maybe they're just, you know, they're just really nice, awesome friends. And they're, they're giving the, the a nice, awesome friend thing of like, yeah, that sounds cool or whatever. And you can, you got to tune that out if you're like, well, okay. I think there's, so even how you describe stuff, notice what words are um, landing. Notice what, um, what sentences and sort of ideas and concepts about what you're sharing are landing and when you're just describing it. Because one of the, I think, really, um, let's see, a place where you can have not a huge investment in all sorts of design and effort and, and, and um, uh, technology or, 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 or um, like, I don't know, just investing in, in, in other medium it's just figuring out the words and the words you use to share your work have a, a a very significant impact like what do you name your product how do you describe your product and that can come from just talking about your product and seeing what seems to make sense and then just taking note of like oh man this is a good way to say that um and and i think that bandwidth can come pretty much that, that can get squeezed into your day-to-day as long as you're in circumstances where you're able to talk about what you're making. Mm. So like, there's like a, a general like level of attentiveness to keep to like incrementally uh, grow and improve your language. If you have somewhere where you can have that, you can talk about it. So yeah. this might be accepting that um, the first versions you go to market with don't have as much refinement to them. Mm. And then maybe it just comes when you do a, ta a you're tabling at an event and then noticing how you're describing things and when they are uh, landing with when. So, so how could you notice that? Well, does someone pick up the book or the, the mini comic or zine or whatever it is? Um, does someone ask you more questions? Do they go, do they, do they have the, like, a Oh, like a, like a really, Ex, like a noticeable emotional reaction to what you're saying. Yeah. Make note the, of that. The, the, the early pitches for rockets that I would do when I would talk with people about it was it's the history and science of rockets as told by grumpy animals, because that was what was interesting to me that all the animals have like, they're all arguing all the time. And it wasn't until I like, Ann and I would be talking about, it, we'd be like, Oh yeah. And all these stories really happen. And people would always go, Oh, right. Like that, that, that it really happened line became like, the thing that we noticed that people always got really excited about. Oh, and this is real. So then we changed the pitch to the history and science of rockets is told by the animals who participated in rocket history. Right. 
like uh-huh. all the, right so like but that didn't happen right away like you i guess like that's part of i think what we're both getting at is let it let it be incomplete and listen and pay attention to the way people interact with your thing and then that iteration could happen over a broad period of time which isn't like that's not the happiest news to give somebody <laughs> <laughs> sure it's the uh hey worry about it a little bit less and then but but don't stop worrying about it (laughs) yeah and and uh and but keep at it and and honestly that's like a design is only a hypothesis it doesn't it's like you will not know no matter what you pick and refine and the feedback you get like you can get yourself in a position based on like maybe you have a great brain trust and collaborators you chat with and and they're skillful in the domains that you're asking about like you know people are really into you know, fonts or layout or um, character design, whatever. And, and you feel super, you know, ready, but until it meets its audience, yeah, that's, yeah, you're, that's where your real data is going to come from. So uh, being ready to learn when you do present it to its audience and then respond to what you're learning. That's a big deal. And then the other thing I would layer in there that I was trying to get at with my story was is that I try to find places where I'm getting double duty. Can I turn this social interaction into also a work interaction in that I'm doing either like some printing there or I'm running some other kinds of experiments? So something I did with this cat and cat run when I was at Letterpress Lab, and this was another reason I chose to do it at Letterpress Lab, is I brought a couple different paper stocks. And I, I knew I was going to run this test at Tiny Expo. I'm like, I'm going to print this up in a variety of colors and see which – I'm going to track which colors do better. Does, <laughs> I had some some darker paper stocks where the, the white background with the, the sharks on it is a little bit more pronounced and more visible. And then I had a lighter blue where it's a little bit more subtle. I feel like it's a classier <laughs> look to it, right? And – as as I was laying out my prints, as I was printing them out, people in the lab were walking around going, oh, I like this one. I was getting feedback right there on the spot, right? This one looks way better. Oh, I really like it on the orange. I'm like, really? I wouldn't have thought that. Why? Oh, because it, it just like it jumps out more. The sharks look way more visible and easier to see from a distance. Okay. Well, now I got that data point, and now I can go to you know Tiny Expo, see which books sell the best. And that's really good data because that's somebody who's willing to commit money to the to the exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will do another iteration based on that, just tweaking and optimizing. It, 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 and this goes to like web and uh, website and software interface, where it's like books can be the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. The products can Very be the exact same thing. Yes, like evidence you can observe. And uh, I could be—I don't know how you feel about this, this Nate, but um, like which. Which hat do you feel like fits you? Like, are you, um, and I think the more general it is, the more it's, it's acceptable where it's like, yeah, I know it's part of my thing where I need to, I need to have the attentive eye and the analytic eye, an analytic eye turned on whenever I'm presenting my product to an audience and it's meeting some kind of, you know, human product interaction. Um, Versus, you know, and that scene can, you know, if that's a naturally appealing or if you have to develop a taste for it or not, that's, I mean, that's going to be a factor. I, I have noticed that that is a habit that I'm beginning to form in recent years where if anybody offers some kind words about anything that I've got, I, I instead of just being like, oh, thanks a lot. I'm like, oh, really? Why? 
it's so funny what's the best is presenting someone to someone and they're like oh what is this and you go what do you think it is (laughs) yeah yeah that's good what do i do with it i'm like what do you want to do with it (laughs) (laughs) like it's so try like (laughs) i do think that might be fun like you might find another angle to love about your craft in how it meets its audience and find a taste for it, even if you don't have it already. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I also think that this is just like good socializing too. Is like It's a nice reminder to ourselves every once in a while to make it about somebody else. Right? <laughs> I want to oh, know what exactly. you think. Yeah. I want to know what you think. <laughs> you tell me what you're thinking right now because I'm interested. You're... I'm, I'm going to lean in like Elwood P. Dowd. So, yeah. <laughs> Elwood P. Dowd. Oh, from Harvey, the Jimmy Stewart movie. Uh, he's, okay, cool. When he, when he talks to people, he has like this intense smile and he leans in really close when he's talking to you. And he's like very, very interested in who you are in this very sweet way. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a good model. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I buy it. Um, the it's right because now you're, you're no longer in your own head about your work. You get to see what, what your work has in, in the in the world as far as a life of its own all right so i don't know i I don't think we gave him any easy answer on that but that's not i don't think anybody expects that from you. <laughs> yeah if, if they, uh, yeah sorry nate if that's why <laughs> i'm pretty sure he, nate knows knew what he was getting into um <laughs> all right so hey rob i think we did a podcast thank you for uh showing up and do this with me again <laughs> Oh, it's my pleasure, Jersey. Thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, I love it. And thanks to your in-laws for being patient with you while you're doing this. Um, (laughs) And thanks, everybody, who hung out in the chat and provided us with feedback and questions, helping helping to direct the conversation. That is very meaningful as well. Um, We record the show every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central. And we stream it live on YouTube, then record, uh, collect it as a podcast at patreon.com slash Alina to art. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd on the Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.